0: welcome everyone to the influence of fiscal policy on aggregate demand this is dr terry eland coming to you from home to wherever you are sit back relax and enjoy the economic ride so up to this point you've seen how the economy recovers from a recession or a boom without any government intervention you've also seen monetary policy which is a tool used by the central bank to stimulate an economy that's going through a recessionary output gap to make sure that inflation levels stay within the target range. And now we're going to see fiscal policy, which is more the politicians and the party in charge who are going to use these tools to try to stimulate the economy and to recover. And uh, it's just a different tool than monetary policy, but in the end, both of them are some form of government intervention, which will stim- stimulate aggregate demand and bring us back to full employment if we're in a recession, or they're going to be used in a contractionary way to slow down the economy if we're in a boom phase to avoid inflationary pressures. So that's the big thing you have to keep in mind is that regardless of monetary or fiscal policy, we're aiming to Stimulate it if it's not working to full employment or slow it down to bring it back to potential output. So potential output, full employment, all kind of the same thing that uh, just synonyms to the same kind of situation. So how does expansionary fiscal policy work? Well, it's either a government spending increase or a decrease in taxes. Both of those will lead to the aggregate demand shift to the right because with a decrease in taxes, consumers and businesses have more money and therefore they can spend more on consumption and investment. So aggregate demand shifts to the right. Contractionary fiscal policy would be the opposite, would be a drop in government spending and an increase in taxes. So the big thing that we have to keep in mind with respect to Fiscal policy versus monetary policy is something that's mentioned further down the slides is the idea that um, both of them get to the same kind of conclusion, but they're managed slightly differently. So like the Bank of Canada wants to get out of the recession, but their main goal is inflation. So if there's inflation problems, they might be limited in their options of what they can do in terms of changes in interest rate, and increases in money supply, whereas the government is not really limited to inflation situations. Obviously, it doesn't want to create problems for the central bank, but it's they're more concerned about how the economy is doing and how unemployment levels are doing. But the limitation with fiscal policy is you you could run out of money. If the government just spends more and more and more and collects less taxes or collects the same level and just accumulates more and more debt, a larger deficit, well, you have a situation where eventually they might run out of that possibility and uh, they'll run low on money and they won't have a choice then to increase taxes and decrease government spending to restore uh, their budget and a more uh, financially strong manner it's the same thing as you or me who decides to just spend more and more and more and to earn less and less money eventually uh, we're going to go bankrupt but we, we can't really let that happen so something has to happen and that is just you taking your finances in charge and that's the same thing that goes for the government a few extra topics that are included within this fiscal policy framework is the counts uh, the the concept of the spending multiplier. So up to this point, we've seen the money multiplier. And in this class, there's a few things that we see twice. And for some people, it could be confusing. So I try to make sure I mention them so that you guys can make sure that you make this distinction uh, ahead of time and you're successful on the exam. So we have the money multiplier which is the process by which commercial banks can increase the amount of money available in circulation through not keeping all of their deposits as reserves and loaning out a portion of that. And then there is the spending multiplier. They're both completely unrelated. So if you see the word money, uh, if you see the word multiplier, don't think that we're talking about the same thing. It's not because the word multiplier is there. That's the same thing. Multiplier just means like we're multiplying something. It's, it's just like an amplification of a certain effect. So we're amplifying. We're increasing the amount of money in circulation. And the money multiplier and then the spending multiplier. We're increasing. We're amplifying the effect of spending. So how to see it? Like let's just think about it in a simple way. Well, what is the spending multiplier? Well, it's a certain increase in spending, which will lead to a trickle-down effect, and it's going to lead to more and more spending in the economy. It's something that, in French, could be known as, like, les retombées economic, like the economic kind of surplus that accumulates from a certain impact. So if you hear, like, uh, promoters of Formula One or concerts or anything else in Montreal, they often won't just talk about the amount of money that they generate through this event because it leads to a lot of hassle for the city, but they'll also talk about the retombe economic, like the extra economic surplus that happens from it. So there's a certain amount of money that's being spent on this event, but then there's more money being spent on restaurants, hotels, a bunch of other things going on, which will lead to a much bigger impact and uh, for gdp or for that kind of like uh, spending in that area so that's one way to see it another way to see it is if uh, the government were to have a massive infrastructure project like the expansion to the 410 uh, going into lennoxville was a very costly project well when they do so and they decide to invest uh, so many million dollars into the project that is an increase of government spending by that many million dollars but the overall increase on GDP is more than that why is that the case well as a lot of these businesses get hired to do this job and a lot of employees get hired it's leading to a lot more revenue in that area those people those businesses will start buying more equipment which will lead to more money for the equipment producers those Employees that might be far from home will be eating out at the restaurant more, going to the grocery store, whatever. They might be coming from other countries if we can't find local labor. So there's a lot of this extra spending that happens after the fact. So an initial project is implemented and then these people spend more. And then these people who own these businesses that are selling to this kind of uh, project they're making more money and they'll spend more and then whoever they're making money on like if they're going to the massage therapist more and everyone's getting massage and this massage therapist is making a lot of money he'll buy more stuff and so on and so forth so it's that kind of like uh chain reaction effect of events if it wasn't for this project none of these extra spending would have occurred so that is the whole idea behind the multiplying effect the way to calculate it I'll let you guys look through the, the kind of uh, slides in the video to figure it out in the textbook. But overall, it's that increase in spending that arrives after the initial increase in spending by the government. But if you think about the intuition behind the multiplier effect, you could easily see that when certain things change, it's going to lead to an increase in the money multiplier. So If you think about those workers who now have uh, more work than before, earning more money, these businesses are making more money, well, for there to be a biggest multiplying effect possible, out of all of that extra income that they're making, all this extra spending in the project, they have to spend a lot of that money that they earn on domestic goods and services. So let's just look at all the extreme cases that could happen, which would lead to no multiplying process. Well, if all of those people that earn money into this project and the the business owners and everyone else don't decide to buy any more machinery, don't decide to spend locally and just save all of that money. Well, if they're all just saving that money, it's not going to lead to an increase in any form of spending in the economy. Therefore, there won't be a multiplying effect. So if there's no consumption because everyone's just saving 100% of the extra income that they're getting, that's not going to lead to multiplying. If out of all that money being, uh, spent on the project, uh, all the revenue that people get, all that money goes to taxes Well, they don't have any extra money in their bank accounts, they can't spend it. That would also be the case. Or if, as you earn more money, you just decide to go on a trip abroad and spend all your money in that other country, and you even hired uh, like a, a foreign airline to, to go on that trip, you're not going through with Air Canada, while well, in that situation, all of that money that you earn, that you spend, is not spent in Canada, therefore it doesn't have a multiplying effect on spending in Canada. So. When you think about uh, increases in government spending to stimulate the economy, what they want to have is that the biggest mon- multiplying effect possible. Because if the government could increase spending by so many million, but then the overall impact is like ten folds that amount, well, it's going to be much better than if it's only two folds that amount. Therefore, if they want to have that biggest bang for the buck in terms of like the biggest effect on the economy, they have to make sure that one. Taxes are relatively low so that people can spend that money. Two, people do not save all of that extra money that they earn. And how that could be done is by convincing people that even though we're in a recession, things are going well, do not fear for your job. This is the kind of dialogue that politicians will have to make sure people keep on spending and not just accumulate all of that money to make sure that they'll survive if ever they lose their job and three buy local buy domestic goods you need to buy american or canadian goods if you're in america or in canada you have to buy your own country's goods you'll hear your politicians say let's encourage our local businesses our local economy because that way that extra spending goes back to local businesses who will spend more locally and." If everyone just spends more locally, it's going to have a much bigger impact on the Canadian economy than if you start buying foreign goods with this money because then that money leaves our country altogether. So those are the big things that we have to have to have the biggest multiplying effect possible. Then there's also the dialogue on crowding out effect, which is in this case a negative, which is when the government decides to spend more money on big projects, Well, we've seen in the past when they decide to spend more money, they are saving less, which is going to drive up the domestic interest rate. And as the domestic interest rate is driven up, investment will fall. So we say that an increase in government spending crowds out investment. There is a certain amount of investment that falls. That gets seen much more extensively in intermediate level economics, macroeconomics. But generally speaking, that's uh, what you have to kind of remember from this subject so and at the end of the day uh, there is fiscal and there's monetary policy and they both kind of coordinate to a certain extent they both kind of work hand in hand the bank of canada will see what the uh, political party in charge is doing in terms of spending and taxes and the same thing goes they'll kind of look at what the central bank is doing so they'll try to kind of work in unison, even though they're not maybe coordinating, they're at least kind of uh, acting best, uh, based on what the other person's doing. So, I just read an article about the, the Federal Reserve chairman uh, looking at uh, the stimulus package that was just announced. And as soon as they see that, uh, it's probably going to have an influence on what they decide to do and what they decide to say in the ne- next announcement. So, that leads us to the idea of if we're going to use government intervention to stimulate the economy, what should we use? Uh, fiscal policy, which is known as the Keynesian approach, or monetary policy, which is known as the monetary approach. The fiscal approach will always be effective in the sense that an increase in government spending will always lead to at least that much increase in GDP. Because if the government spends an extra million dollars, the crowding out effect will likely not be bigger than the multiplying effect, and therefore it will at least have a million dollar impact on the economy. Whereas a drop in interest rates, we would always think that drop in interest rates will stimulate the economy, but investment is based not only on interest rate, but it's based on how the economy is doing, how the industry of that uh, business is doing. And therefore, even if interest rates go down, we might have situations where people do not react strongly to a change in interest rate. If that is the case, well, you could drop the interest rate all as much as you want. If it doesn't have an impact, you're not stimulating investment, you're not stimulating consumption, and you might be you will be uh, lowering the value of our currency, and that's going to stimulate the economy to a some extent. But that might still just be a small impact. So in that case, fiscal policy might be better. So it's one of those things in macroeconomics that fiscal policy and monetary policy are the two tools. And if there was one clear winner all the time, that's the only one we would teach. Like, you wouldn't learn the second way of stimulating the economy. It would always be monetary policy is the way to go. And historically, there's been instances where we thought that there was one of the two that was a clear winner. And then a recession occurred and it just didn't work. Therefore, they used the other way and it that actually worked. So there isn't a clear winner. It all depends what situation we're in. What's the fiscal situation that the government's in? Can they spend more or are they, are, they, are they already at their kind of credit limit, if you think about it from a consumption standpoint? And what's going on with the interest rates? Are the interest rates high? Is it actually possible to drop them and to have an impact on people's spending? And if not, if we're already rock bottom, we're kind of limited in that. So it's a case-by-case basis. Um, and the last kind of topic here to make sure that it's clear is the lags involved i talked about it in terms of monetary policy having a lag between the announcement date which can happen fast but the actual impact on the economy and fiscal policy it's the opposite once government increases spending that has a quick impact on the economy creates a lot of jobs and it creates a lot more money in the economy same thing as when they decrease taxes well you go to buy food you go to buy other products that are taxed maybe not like necessities, uh, and you realize that you have less to spend, it's cheaper because taxes are lower, well, you could spend more money. Or if your income taxes go down and more money gets deposited in your bank account, you could quickly spend more. But the problem with fiscal policy is it's long to implement. If you think of the government deciding to drop taxes or to increase government spending, well, that takes a long time. They can't just decide to do so in the snap of a finger. Typically, spending happens when the budget is announced. Certain extraordinary things can be announced later on, but it's not as quick to have an implement. And uh, changes in taxes as well. But one of the advantages of fiscal policy is there is a certain kind of uh, automatic fiscal stabilizers in the sense that if you think of uh, employment insurance Well, if there's a recession that hits, a lot of people lose their jobs. Automatically, a lot of people go on employment insurance and that kind of stimulates the economy. And that is a fiscal policy. It is a transfer of money from the government to unemployed workers, and that just happens automatically. So those can happen quickly, but all the extra projects, all the other stimulus packages, all the other changes in taxes do not happen actively, they don't happen automatically. So that's the big idea behind uh, the two kind of models there. Um, one's based on spending by the government, and one's based on interest rates to stimulate spending by invest, uh, investment purposes, consumption, and tr- changing interest rate, uh, exchange rates to have an impact on that exports. So you have to remember both, but if you Then do the graphs. If you had the graphs and you were looking at the impact of an expansionary fiscal policy or an expansionary monetary policy, the same aggregate demand curve will shift in the same way for expansionary policies in both cases. So keep that in mind that graphically speaking, regardless of which policy is used in terms of government intervention, the overall impact is the same. So I hope you guys enjoy this little chat. I'll talk to you soon.